Dynasty Blueprint with Matt Williamson and Ryan McDowell. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell. I'm joined, as always, by Matt Williamson and also joined, as always, on Thursdays by Ray Garvin. Matt, how are you doing? I'm well. How about you? Doing well. Ready to talk about another one of these incoming rookies. And we got we got another big These name. have been awesome, by the way. Oh, they've been so good. So good. I've, I've been taking notes, Matt. I don't know if you have. Hopefully oh, I'm I- learning as, my, as the audience is. I'm loving it. Yeah, hopefully our listeners are taking notes as well. I'm, I've got my fantasy football notebook right on my desk, and it's, it's getting filled up quickly. <laughs> Ray, how's it going? I mean, you guys are sitting here talking about how awesome this is and how much you're learning. It is stressing me the heck out because every time well you're doing all the work every time i prep for this i i think i like somebody or i think i don't like somebody and then i start doing the prep work and i'm like wait a minute like i don't even know what i'm doing i'm i'm excited today <laughs> i didn't i like this player i didn't love him but i love him now and i don't like him oh. as much I, I i don't know what i'm doing i have no clue what i'm doing okay i know the opinions on rugs changed after our half hour conversation <laughs> last week yeah, I saw some references to that as well. I know, I, I know my my takes on him changed, or at least uh, th- thanks to Ray, at least. So, anyway, interested to hear you say that, Ray, because I've kind of thought of this player, and, and we'll we won't keep it a secret any longer. We're going to talk about Jonathan Taylor today. Uh, I've thought about this player as a player you were a little down on, uh, at least compared to consensus. So. Interesting to hear you say maybe you're changing your mind a little bit. Let's go ahead and get straight into it. As we've said on uh, past episodes, we're keeping this uh, these pods shorter, uh, hopefully in and out in 30 minutes, giving you as, as much as you need to know about these incoming rookies. Jonathan Taylor today is a running back, a junior running back from Wisconsin, 5'11", 219 pounds, just turned 21 years old. That's uh, that's that's what we want for our uh, rookie running backs. Tell us about his career at Wisconsin, uh, Ray. We, we all I know, well, not all I know, but the the main thing I think of when I think of Jonathan Taylor, and I think this might be true of a lot of people, is that heavy, heavy workload. Yeah, uh, he had a heavy workload, and it is. There's no debate. There's no denying that. You can't skew the numbers. You can't twist the analytics here. You can't twist the data. He had a heavy workload, but his career at Wisconsin was unrivaled. It was ridiculous. I mean, he was just what he did from the time that he stepped foot on the field at the University of Wisconsin was absolutely just outstanding. And just a couple of his, if we listed his career accolades, it would take a lot longer than 30 minutes. So I'm going to try to condense it. Okay. He has the most 200 yard rushing games in NCAA history with 12. He had the most rushing yards through a junior season of college football in NCAA history with 6,080. The most rushing yards by a freshman and sophomore with over 4,100. The most rushing yards in a season in college football history by a freshman. The fastest, he, the fewest games for a freshman to reach 1,000 yards in FBS history in seven games. He's the seventh player in college football history to rush for 6,000 yards and the first to ever do it in just three seasons. I mean, it's, it's, He's the third player in college football history with multiple 2,000-yard rushing seasons. Uh, what he's done is just out 
standing, running the ball. He's 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 fantastic. Man, I wish he was a little more productive. Uh, you know, just <laughs> not enough, Matt. Not enough. <laughs> right. Not enough. And one interesting stat or fact about Jonathan Taylor, a lot of people, I think the narrative is starting to change. Coming into the season, a lot of people question his speed, his long speed. I don't know if he's is, is really a fast guy. Well, let's go back to high school. And uh, I found out that he was a two-time back-to-back state champion in the 100-meter dash in, in New Jersey. His senior, se- his senior year, uh, he won state with a time of uh, 10.68. His junior year, he won state with a time of 6 point, uh, 10.61. But he also ran uh, a time of 10.49 in the 100-meter dash. And for comparison purposes... Henry Ruggs won and set the Alabama State 7A record in the 100-meter dash in high school with a time of 10.58. So Jonathan Taylor has run faster, and I understand 100 meters and a 40-yard dash are completely different, but that's the type of speed that he has. He, he is not being caught from behind. He has breakaway speed. I know Ryan, he's listed at, at 219. I don't, I'm not buying that. He's, he's, no. he's heavier than 219. Uh, but to to have that speed, you know what I mean. He uh, anybody who's questioning what Jonathan Taylor, he's going to run in the four fours at the combine, and he has said himself. People laughed coming into the season when he said, "I can run a four three. I'm going to run a four three at the combine." People, I laughed. I didn't believe it. I'm not putting it past him. I got two early questions here for you in the pod. Yeah, that was a, a while ago and a lot of carries ago that he put up those hundred meter numbers mm-hmm. does it still translate on the field on the tape after the wear and tear at wisconsin go turn on the final regular season game in his junior campaign versus the mm-hmm. university of michigan and watch him absolutely eviscerate that defense i mean 70 yard runs 30 yard runs and he's pulling away from people matt i mean it's it's not like he's NFL almost defenders. yeah he, he's not yeah. just almost getting there and being caught from the behind, he is pulling away from teams. So, although he has had a, a very, very heavy workload, uh, he still has and displays that top end elite speed. So, does he kind of remind you of like Fournette or Chubb in that when they get free, they're just like a bowling ball going downhill and pick up speed, pick up speed. And then you end up here in the next-gen stats that they ran 23 miles an hour or something yeah. crazy. Yeah, and, and we, we, we see that with with the Nick Chubb. I, I, you don't think he's moving that fast. And then next-gen mm-hmm. stats pops out that he's been one of the fastest runners, not running backs, runners in football over the past couple of years. So it's it's sort of that, and it's not even deceptive. He is fast. He's got burst. Uh, he, he has... Very good acceleration. Jonathan Taylor's he's a fast running back. My other question is, my early impressions of him are, if this player would have come out when I was a teenager, when I was a kid, when I started to just kind of learn about the draft and football, or even 15 years ago, he may have been first pick in the draft, guaranteed top five pick. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a throwback type running back for sure. He's a throwback type player, uh, absolutely. I mean, even if you go back, I don't even think you have to go back that far. You know, you go back right. to when... I'm pretty old. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. Stop. <laughs> you go back to Trent Richardson. What did he go? Number three overall? <laughs> I mean, that was in, what, 20, 2011, 2010? 
Sure. Uh, I mean, you, I mean, Fournette went fifth yeah, or something. Yeah. Bar- well, Barkley. Yeah. So. I, yeah, but Barkley's a receiver. What I was going with that is just hand him the ball a million times in 1985 and bludgeon people and run away from people. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. You yes. Know what I mean? gotcha. Yes. 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 That type of runner. Absolutely. Ray, let's get into the numbers a little bit. What does the data you, you've you've told us some of the counting stats that have been certainly very impressive. Uh, dig a little deeper there. What do the numbers tell you about JT? Yeah, so the big sort of uh, question mark on JT's profile, his entire collegiate career has been his work in the receiving game. And in fantasy football, we want those valuable touches. We want a running back who can catch passes. So when you look back at his early career as a freshman, as a sophomore, and remember we talked about 1,900 yards as a freshman, 2,000 yards as a sophomore, amongst all of that rushing production, Eight receptions, eight receptions. And we've spent quite a bit of time talking about market share and why that's important. And we want running backs to be on the field uh, for all three downs. Jonathan Taylor really didn't display that early in his career, but then things changed. Things changed for the better for Jonathan Taylor in 2019. And some of those raw stats, he had 24 receptions. But when we dig into what that sort of translates to with the market share percentage, it's a, it, it's a very significant jump for a running back. So he was right around 3% market share for receptions as a freshman, 4% market share percentage of the receptions as a sophomore, and then that bumped up to almost 11% in his final season. Yards, 3%, 2%, 8%. So it's, it's, we're not talking about wide receivers here, so don't throw the 30% threshold out of the window throw the 20% threshold out of the window. That's a good bump for Jonathan Taylor that shows that he was more active in the receiving game, that shows that he was on the field in third down situations to be able to catch the ball. And what was really impressive was he had five receiving touchdowns. So when you look at the total, his total receiving and rushing yards and touchdown market share dominator rating, and you look at that compared to other running backs in this class, Jonathan Taylor, and this data is provided by the great Peter Howard, so thank you, Peter, for this information. His market share percentage, his dominator for receptions, rushing yards, and and touchdowns was 38.7%. What other running backs in this class, what did they look like? Well, J.K. Dobbins, 29.5. Zach Moss, 24.9. The only person who had a higher percentage than Jonathan Taylor for that total receptions, rushing yards, in market share dominator was Eno Benjamin out of Arizona State. Cam Akers was close. A.J. Dillon was not close. So it shows that his productivity in the receiving game increased enough for me to feel comfortable that he can be used in third down situations. Yeah, don't you think it's true, though, that it just seems like Wisconsin just hasn't used their backs uh, in that way? Even going back years and years, I mean, I remember having these same types of conversations about Melvin Gordon. Can he catch the ball? Uh, Melvin Gordon had two catches his his uh, first season, or I think it was his sophomore season, actually. A, a total of 22 catches in his college career. And uh, until Austin Eckler really broke onto the scene, Gordon was a PPR weapon uh, as and became an every down back for the Chargers. Can you see the same same tr- transition possible for Taylor? I guess anything is possible, right? Because I, okay. I don't I, I don't think 
I don't think we we really knew what to expect from Melvin Gordon in that role. And when we say that the that Wisconsin, and it's true, they have not used their primary ball carriers as receiving weapons. But as I'm going through Jonathan Taylor's tape today, they throw to the running back. They threw to a running back. I don't know his name, but his number was number 37. Every time it was a passing situation, he was in there and he was catching the ball. So I don't, okay. you know, it's one of those things where there's a different, some players are just natural pass catchers. They can catch the ball. They're born. They've got good hands. They know how to catch the ball. They know how to position themselves. But we always say just because you haven't done something in college doesn't mean you can't do it in the NFL. So can he become a a receiver? Absolutely. I think he can become a, a receiver out of the backfield. But even now, Ryan, when we look at Melvin Gordon and we look at Austin Eckler, there's a difference in how those guys are used, right? Uh, sure. there, there's a You can see um, that, that Christian McCaffrey just moves different when he's at that receiver position opposed to a Leonard Fournette. They're not, not, Leonard Fournette caught 70 passes this past season. They're not lining him up at X wide receiver to go run mm-hmm. a route. So can Taylor catch the ball? Absolutely. I think he can. Can he be deployed as a pass-catching weapon that that – that NFL teams really want to rely on? I don't know. I don't know. That's kind of what I was going to ask, too. Gordon was a good example. I was going to compare him to Fournette. That my hunch is, and the little I've seen of him, he's athletic enough to dump it to him, and he's going to catch it. I mean, it's not just going to clank off his hands. But he's probably never going to be McCaffrey, Kamara as a route runner. And my hunch is when you evaluate him, and more importantly when the NFL evaluates him, how many snaps do you see him picking up a linebacker or you know helping in protection? Probably very little. I, I was I'm doing a deep dive into Taylor today, and that is I was looking for pass pro reps, and there were some where I saw him cut block linebackers that looked really good, and then when a linebacker is barreling down the a gap, he didn't look so good in that in that situation. <laughs> and again, he wasn't on the field a lot on third downs. He was not right. on the field, and if he was. If he was, a lot of those receptions were those manufactured dump-offs real quick, get it to him, you know, a, a quick screen, not even the long, drawn-out screen where the, the linemen have to pull and set up. It was hurry up and get him the ball and let him do what he needs to do in space. Um, so I think it's – you better believe that wherever he goes, there's going to be a backup running back there who is proficient in the receiving game. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. I, I just can't see him – walking into a spot and be them saying right away, I'm comfortable with you on all three downs. Yeah, protect Mahomes' blind side. Yeah. yeah. No. Ray, you've touched on some of what you've seen on film a little bit. Let's go uh let's go further into that. What have you seen when you've turned on Taylor's film both the pros and the cons? Well, uh, what I see the pros is I think he's the best pure running back in this class. Just turn around, hand him the ball, let him do what he what he does between the tackles. I don't think there's anybody better in this class at running the football. I, I think he is the best. Just handing it to Just him. Just hand it to him. Yeah. His vision, burst, acceleration, power. There are so many times where you see a running back display one or two of those traits in any given play, right? You'll see a lot of you'll see tremendous bursts. But then they get hit on their ankles and they fall down. Or you see a lot of power where they're running people over, but they only pick up four yards. There are so many times where you just see the complete package out of Taylor. And 
it doesn't look like when we think of agile running backs, when we think of lateral agility, some of the first names that popped to mind, we think LaShawn McCoy, that shake and bake, right? Yeah. Just Barry Sanders. Yeah, Barry Sanders, just nasty right. juking ability. That ain't Taylor. That's that's not how he plays. It's smooth. It's very, very smooth. It's almost like a it's almost like a dance. You think about Emmett Smith. When you think back to what Emmett did well, uh, Emmett was no Barry Sanders. I mean, in early Emmett was very agile and good, but Emmett was just smooth. He he had tremendous balance. Uh, he he knew how fluid. to play. You know what? I, he was just fluid. Yeah. He, there was nothing that just. Oh my God! Did you see? He was just good. Contact balance, vision, power, speed. He just was good at everything, and and that's what I see when you turn on the tape of Jonathan Taylor. He's he is the best pure runner in this class. So do you not see him take a lot of huge hits? Is it a lot more glancing blows? Um, understands how to protect himself. Good balance. And, 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 and you know, like I said, it's not Barry Sanders. It's not stop, right. start. People go flying by. Everyone's jaws drop in the stadium. It's more subtle. Yeah. Uh, now, the sheer volume of, of carries that he had, he's taken some blows. He, he's been mm-hmm. pounded, right? When you're giving a running back the ball 30 times a game, he's going to take some big shots. But he doesn't miss time. I haven't seen I, – I, I don't – We'll talk about LaVisca Chenault later. Every time LaVisca Chenault gets hit, literally, I'm concerned that he's going to limp off the field, and nine times out of (laughs) ten, he's taking a play out, he's missing a half. Taylor hadn't been hurt. I mean, he hasn't Mm -hmm. been hurt. And one data point that I didn't talk about, and I don't know if it's it's really not data. There's no analysis that's, that's been done with this, but Jonathan Taylor has 968 career carries. Uh, touches 968 wow. career touches let's just throw an NFL comparison out there Kenyon Drake Kenyon Drake running back for the Arizona Cardinals his entire NFL career in his collegiate career he has 897 career touches Kenyon Drake is combined all of them combined Kenyon Drake wow. is 25 Jonathan Taylor just turned 21 I, I, I mean if there's one concern that I know some people that the 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 belief is or the narrative is all I care about is a running back giving me one contract. Anything after the contract is gravy. If if you're not taking his career touches into consideration, if you're not if you if you're not factoring that into where you draft him or what you think you're gonna do with him, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. And I'm not I'm not saying he's he's not going to be an effective and productive NFL runner, but three years and he's accumulated a thousand career touches just about in college. That's that's a lot of mileage on that body. That's a lot of mileage on that body, and uh, you know he averages a fumble. I think it's point uh, four games. So almost every other game he's fumbling the ball in his career. Every other game it, he's going to cough the ball up and turn it over. So. But he touches it a lot. But he touches a lot. He touches it a lot. But still, Matt. I mean, yeah, right. Yeah, you know, every other game he's coughing it up, and I've looked at. I think I've looked at eleven of his career fumbles. None of them were just like, like knockout blows to where you're like, oh yeah, you you should have dropped the ball. Like I, I don't even blame you for fumbling that. 
And it, and, it, and there was a time last year where if you're watching Wisconsin, teams knew it, and they weren't even trying to tackle Taylor. They were going straight for the ball, and they're just pulling. I mean, pulling at the ball, and he's getting an extra eight yards because they're not trying to tackle him. But they knew it. They knew we can get this guy to fumble. So I, I just want to lay out both sides of the coin here. I think he's a fantastic runner. Fantastic. But ball security, uh, lack of uh, ability or potential ability on third down situations, and uh, for me, a little bit less for the total career touches are red flags or at least something you should have your eye on and paying attention to. A couple notes there is almost always if a highly drafted running back isn't seeing the field, it's either ball security or pass protection. Both we don't know about with him or are negatives at this point. Doesn't mean he can't change. I'm a believer in the football outsiders rule of 360 or, you know, those type of things matter. You know, Jamal Anderson after his dirty bird season just fell apart. I was asked on Locked On NFL today, it, my, my podcast I do, would I invest in Derrick Henry long term? No. I mean, he's like at 400 touches and franchise and run him into the ground. That workload is pretty steep. Yeah, yeah, it really is. I think it's something we have to be concerned with. Ray, even with all those touches, he's he's been healthy through his college career. Is that right? Yeah, I, he's, I don't... yeah. I, I think little nicks, and, little nicks here that you get playing football, but he... No major injuries. He's not missing games. Uh, yeah. Looks like a tough guy. Absolutely. Plays like a tough guy. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we've we already thrown out quite a few names uh, in this discussion of Taylor. Is Fournette your comp for him? You even you even mentioned Emmett Smith. Would Are, are we going that high? <laughs> who is, if, if you had to pick one, who's your comp right now for Jonathan Taylor? It's Nick Chubb. He, okay. I see a lot of Nick Chubb in Jonathan Taylor's game. And, you know, the thing that, that he has that Nick Chubb didn't, or however you want to phrase that, is Nick Chubb had a devastating knee injury. I mean, I remember watching that game live versus Tennessee and having to close my eyes. And a lot of people didn't think that he would return from that from that knee injury that he suffered. And... You know, Matt alluded to it earlier in the show. I mean, he has one of the fastest miles per hour tracked by NFL Next Gen Stats mm-hmm. in the NFL. But they play very similar styles of football. And it, you really saw it with Nick Chubb the year that he played with DeAndre Swift because they were two totally different type of running backs. Swift gets in there and it looks electric. You know, he's planting his leg in the ground. He's shaking defenders. Chubb just glides, man. He, he, he's tough. He's, he's running through tackles. He can shake you and make you miss. We see, when we saw this past season, he can catch the ball. Uh, but there was a, still a difference between Duke Johnson catching the ball out of the backfield when he was there and Nick Chubb catching the ball out of the backfield. And you saw what happened when Kareem Hunt was finally reinstated. His first game out, the gate, he had like eight, nine receptions. You know what I mean? Like they wanted yeah. to get a true passing down back in the game. So... If I had to comp him to somebody, I think he's a little better. Uh, I think he's a better all-around running back than Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was a dog coming out of LSU. I mean, he he ran like he, his hair was on fire. Uh, but yeah. I think Jonathan Taylor is a little more refined and has a little more diverse skill set and some more tools in his pocket than Leonard Fournette did coming out of college. And But, I mean, Leonard Fournette showed us, if you throw it to me, I can catch it and good things can happen. So uh, it took him, what, what's this, year four for Leonard Fournette <laughs> to do that? But yeah, we, yeah. we got it. 
I guess it's a little unfair because you know it is year four for Fournette, and he was the what fifth pick in the draft or in that neighborhood. But would you rather have Taylor or the coming out of LSU version of Fournette? Oh boy, ah! I mean, he was a beast. Leonard Fournette was really good coming out of LSU. <laughs> right. He was really good. But had a, some of these issues, you he know. Was, I mean, he had some, he had a little more durability problems he there. And he did. That, that's shown up with him. And, you know, the all the all the receiving was ahead of him and you didn't know. That's true. But that, he was a punishing, nasty dude. Probably if, if, if I could remove the recency bias of Leonard Fournette of today and think about him coming out of LSU, I probably would have taken... I like Leonard Fournette's profile coming out of LSU. I really did. Mm-hmm. I, I loved everything that he brought to the table. I didn't think he was going to have the ankle injuries that he had, but I, I think that'd be a close call for me. I, I, that would be a close call. But if you ask me would I have preferred Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb coming out, I'd say Jonathan Taylor. Like I, mm-hmm. I did not see Nick Chubb becoming what he is uh, today coming out of college, and I, I, that was a, a little bit of a miss by me with Nick Chubb. I mean, Mel and Todd weren't killing the Jags for using the fifth pick on Fournette. No. We all knew he was going to be a top 10 pick. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and just to back up on Fournette, he is, he'll be entering his fourth season. He's okay. three seasons in the league now. So uh, already turning into maybe a, a little bit of a PPR weapon. Uh, that was that was a surprise for me this past season, for sure. <clears throat> Ray, let's talk about ideal landing spot for Jonathan Taylor. It just feels like he's almost certainly, regardless of the combine or anything else, almost certainly locked into that second round of the NFL draft. It's hard to, honestly hard to imagine him cracking the first round. We've we've seen DeAndre Swift place there in mock drafts, but we know that's it's just rare territory now for running backs in general. But on the flip side, I, I can't imagine him imagine him falling to the third round. So, especially if he runs a four four flat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> T- Taylor feels like a certain second rounder to me in the NFL draft. What would be some some ideal landing spots for him in the league? Okay, so I've I've got two that I would love to see him land in, and both of these situations, they have sort of that third down satellite back already, so he wouldn't be forced into that role right away, but hopefully he would be able to mature into that. And Indianapolis, if he landed with the Colts behind that offensive line with Quentin Quentin Nelson Nelson. leading the way, (laughs) you know what I mean? And you've got Naheem Hines back there who could play on third downs and take a few carries off of him. I would, that would be like the number one spot. I'm excluding Kansas City, okay? I know we want to throw (laughs) that out there, but they just won the Super Bowl and they had a sub 500-yard rusher on the season. And a lot of people keep telling me, oh, if they only had a running back. I said, yeah, then they would have won the Super Bowl twice if they had a dynamic running back because, (laughs) you know, it wasn't good enough to just win it with Damian Williams. So, And he could have been the MVP of the game. He's good enough. Yeah, leaving the Chiefs out of it, I would say the Colts would be a, a prime landing spot. And Ryan... You were on a podcast earlier this week, and you talked about J.K. Dobbins falling to the Atlanta Falcons. But if yeah. Jonathan Taylor landed in Atlanta, oh boy, with that passing game, with those those second year rookie offensive linemen getting healthy on that offensive line, I would love to see. And J.T. playing in a dome, give me that. I, I would love to see him land in Atlanta or in Indianapolis. And then, of course, you've got a bevy of other spots, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, 
and uh, <laughs> everywhere else. You know, Buffalo. What about Buffalo to compliment Devin Singletary? Yep. So, or all those are on my list here. Yep, Matt Steelers, no doubt. They would Pitt? love them. I mean, hey, absolutely. They've got right. they've got that satellite sort of third down back. You can still. Let Jalen Samuels play on the passing downs and let Jonathan Daler bang between the tackles. That'd be a heck of a spot. Yeah, I have all those on my list. I also had Houston, Miami, and Tennessee. Um, but I like the names you mentioned at the very top of the list for sure. I would be a little more excited about Baltimore than you let on, though. Okay. Imagine him in that offense. You know, Ingram's cut after this year or whatever. They just run so much. Yeah. Yeah, if any running back lands in Baltimore, I think it's yeah they're running about fifty times a game. You you buying that back ASAP? That would be, I think, an interesting landing spot for any of these guys we're, we're talking about because I could see, even though that's that's an exciting spot based on how dedicated they are to the running game, I, I could see the presence of Ingram and and maybe even Justice Hill pushing that back down. So if it's if it's Jonathan Taylor or if it's Dobbins, maybe he becomes the third back in this in this group or um, locks in that third back position, and maybe there's even a little bit of a discount. Maybe you're getting him at five or six instead of one or two. So that that will be um, you know that'll be something to watch as the NFL draft plays out. Let's wrap up, guys, as we always do, talking about dynasty value. We are excited this week to start our our February mock drafts over at My Fantasy League uh, for DLF. We're just getting those underway. So next week when we're here, guys, we'll have some actual ADP data, both in startups and rookie drafts. We don't quite have that yet. But certainly Jonathan Taylor is locked in as a top three rookie running back right now, a top five overall option. Uh, as, as high as one, uh, Ray, I know people we respect, uh, our buddy Curtis Patrick has Taylor as his number one overall rookie right now. He's one Oh one and, uh, and plenty of others have him at the lower part of that, uh, of that top five based on some of the concerns that you've mentioned. We had the same conversation when we talked about JK Dobbins, you look at the dynasty running backs right now and it feels like there's seven to ten guys maybe even a dozen guys that you feel good about but you look at our current adp which is which is right now from uh from january melvin gordon's rb 13 if you ask me melvin gordon versus jonathan taylor uh, that's that's comical to me there's there's no chance (laughs) i would trade i would trade you a top five pick for melvin gordon and and the same goes down the line Behind him, Carryon Johnson, Marlon Mack, Todd Gurley, Chris Carson, even my guy Austin Eckler, who I like. I'm not giving you a top five pick for him. So to me, what about Fournette? Fournette is eighth. I think that's a conversation. Derrick okay. Derek Henry is ninth. Josh Jacobs is tenth. Aaron Jones eleven. Miles Sanders twelve. I'm considering moving any of those guys for a top five pick. It's not a slam dunk, but I'm. I'm thinking about it at least mm-hmm. if if I can get Taylor, if I can get Dobbins. Um, and, and if you're doing that now, of course, it's a gamble. You know, you get a bad landing spot, you get an injury at the combine, and, and now you've given away an RB1. Uh, but I think that's that's the range that with good draft capital, with a nice landing spot, we could see Taylor, and, and we'll say the same thing about Dobbins. We'll say the same thing about DeAndre Swift when we get to him. Anywhere in that 8 to 12 range, 
that's where they're going to land. And, and once you mix those three guys in with the, the other names we've mentioned, it'll become eight to 15. And, and that's what that tier will look like from, from eight to 15 overall. So that, uh, and that top 15 running back status probably makes Jonathan Taylor a third or fourth round pick in a startup dynasty draft, which, which feels a little crazy if you're talking about the fifth, the fifth rookie, but that's that's what's going to happen with this class. You're going to have you'll probably have two or three rookies in the second round, maybe even one in the first round, uh and you'll have two or three more in the third and fourth round. It's it's just going to be rookie fever maybe like we've never seen it before. <laughs> yeah. Quick question for both of you along those lines. So I think I know your answer, but if Judy and Lamb are both gone, would you rather have Taylor than any other rookie receiver? At this point, I would. At this point, he's, okay. he's... You hesitated a little, though, so it's questionable, right? Sure, sure. I think okay, that's, okay. I'm, I mean, you're talking about T. Higgins. You're talking about Jalen Rager. I think um, I think there's a scenario where either of those guys could jump ahead of, of any of the running backs, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Higgins is being mocked and projected as a first-rounder in the NFL draft, and uh, Rager, I think, for most people, is, is a second-rounder. But a landing spot's going to going to push any of those guys up. One, one quick thing, I've been tracking, and I've got a spreadsheet over here, and I know mock drafts mean absolutely nothing. A lot of them are for fun, right? But I'm trying to track some of the ones done by some industry people who actually are trying mm-hmm. to put together a good mock. And you know the running back that's not in the first round? There's one running back that I consistently see in the first round is DeAndre Swift amongst right. all these mock drafters. I haven't seen Taylor in round one a lot. You know, I think he's going to be a round two pick. And, uh, you know, Ryan, you said it best with the ADP. I mean, uh, without even knowing landing spot, I'm just being conservative. He's top 14 for me right now. And to answer your question, Matt, I think I would take the running back in that situation. But it's just going to be pure pandemonium on the clock during rookie drafts. I just I just know it's just going to be chaos. All right, more great stuff, Ray. I can't wait to figure out who we're talking about next week. I think it's my choice, so I'll I'll come up with a good one, and we'll we'll give you some homework for next week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blue Brand.